Chris. I'm actually one of the teachers here uh, at Alpine, and I'm excited to be with you as we're right smack dab in the middle of our series in the Shema. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we've been looking at the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there, or the Bible app. Uh, We'll also have uh, stuff on the screen for you to read. Uh, But but the Shema is, if you've been with us, uh, it's kind of a a pledge of allegiance to God, if you will. It's a declaration uh, that was given from Moses, uh, from God to Moses to give to his people. And uh, it's just a way for them to honor God and then to do it with their lives. And so what we've been doing over the last few weeks is uh, we've been taking a look specifically uh, at words in the Shema, in the English language that we have, and we've been digging into their deeper meaning and their context in the Hebrew language. Now, uh, how many of you in here that English is your first language? Yep, first language, awesome, most of us. So we, we like English. Uh, have you ever, I mean, do you like to study English, though? Anybody out there that really likes to study English? We'll pray for one of you. Uh, I, have a young, I have a young son, a uh, couple young kids, and, and they've come home from school with English homework, and I'm telling you, it's like the most ridiculous language on the planet Earth. I mean, I know it because I speak it, but like some of the rules that come with the English language are pretty crazy, right? Like I before E except for C, is that one? I think I remember reading about that, is that right? The one, yeah, okay, good, I'm, I'm there. Uh, or like hamburger, why do we have hamburger when there's no ham in a hamburger? Is that, isn't that weird to anybody? Or like uh, another thing is, um, you know, the past tense of teach is taught, but when I preach, the past tense isn't prot. Is that kind of weird? That kind of sounded like Dr. Seuss. Maybe I do like English after all. But what we're doing is we're seeing that when it comes to the, the Hebrew language and other languages, it's vastly different from what we know the words to be in English. And so when you dig deep into God's word in the original meaning, in the original context, in the original understanding, you begin to see God at work. I need that clicker right there. I just realized that I need that. Thank you very much. I need that. So what we're going to do is we're going to jump in and we're going to specifically look at the word today that is love. And love in Hebrew is the word uh, levav or for short is lev. And it's much different than we think when we think of just the word heart. So if you have your Bibles open, you can uh, open up Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read this together. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God The Lord is one. Now, I don't know that I have this. I think you might. There we go. I do have it. Thank you. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. So you've been with us the last couple weeks. If you have, in the first week, we looked at the word listen or hear, O Israel. And that word is literally the Shema. So we get that term, the Shema, from that first word. It means to pay attention to really pay attention to God and to God's word. Uh, we then jump into the, the next word, which was, uh, what was it? I'm, 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 so it was the Lord, right? So the Lord, your God, is transcendent. The Lord is God alone. He is the one true God, the only God, and we're to love him with everything that we have. And then last week we talked about the idea of love. And love is far different than what many of us would think that it is, a feeling or something that, that we, uh, we receive. In, in fact, the word for love is to give. It's to give of one's self. And so in the first few weeks, we looked at the Shema and we, see, we are learning about the why or the what, right? It's to love God, to trust that he is God, uh, God alone. And now we're going to move into the how. How do we do that? We love the Lord our God with our heart 
our soul, and our strength. And today, we're going to look at that word, heart. Uh, now, I just want to start out by asking uh, just a question, and maybe think about this for yourself. Uh, should you follow your heart? Think about that just for a moment. Should you follow your heart? Or maybe recently have you done something where you followed your heart and maybe you regretted it? Or, you know, maybe you did what you thought you, what you felt, what felt was right, but in reality it turned out that it wasn't quite right at all. You know, I'm a, I'm a feeler, I'm an emotional guy, so I'm kind of like this feely guy, and so I, I have a tendency to go with what I feel a lot. And if I'm 100% honest with you, I'd say probably like 99.99% of the time when I've gone with my feelings, it's led me astray. It's really, truly led me astray. And, and, you know, for you, maybe it's in your life. Maybe it's in a relationship, you know, and you went with your feelings. Maybe in that relationship, someone said something that really hurts you. And deep down inside, you, you, you wanted to let them know how you felt. And so through your emotions, you really let them have it, right? And then you regret what you said. Or maybe, you know, you felt like you wanted that, that car or that house and you really felt like that was the right thing to do and now you're regretting it because you're leveraged to the hill. You know, maybe you're a young person and, and we live in this social media culture, right, and, and we're scrolling through Instagram and, and I'm kind of going where my heart feels and, and I go up the picture and maybe I end up on something that I shouldn't be looking at and before you know it, I'm in this vicious cycle and it's completely controlled me. All because our culture says that we need to do what feels right. You know, someone once told me, a friend of mine said, listen, it's okay to follow your heart, but you should bring your brain along with you, right? Like you should bring your thoughts and your ideas. And believe it or not, that's exactly what we're going to see when it comes to the meaning of heart in God's word. Today we're going to see how Moses, how he literally used this and helped them understand that, that to love God with all of their heart meant more than just feelings. You know, in fact, in biblical Hebrew, the heart is where we feel and also think thoughts. So we feel feelings and we think thoughts. And in reality, uh, there isn't actually a word in Hebrew for brain. And so the anatomy of what the heart is, you know, we think of it as this, this organ that is pumping and it, it's kind of the lifeline to our, our body and our system. And, and it's far different in, in the Hebrew language than even any of that. So they would think in their anatomy that the heart was more than just the heart. It was also the brain. It was also every part of what they were. It was the inside self. And so today what we're going to see is, we're going to see how Moses is leading his people. And remember, Moses uh, is leading his, has led his people out of uh, the Exodus, right? They've been in slavery, and, and they're on this journey to the promised land that God had promised them. And what should have taken about a 10-day journey, we're now some 40 years later. And so here they are getting ready to enter into the promised land. And right before the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, the very beginning in verse 1, he actually says to them, These are the decrees that God has given me to give to you so that you can live a life of freedom, a life of love, a life of relationship in the promised land. And he says that you must obey these commands in order to honor God and to enter into this new land. 
And so here they are, they're getting into their new land, and, and Moses is giving them a cultural identity, if you will. It's this, imp- this cultural imperative that he's giving them, and he's saying, listen, in order to, to live a life that God wants you to live, you need to love God with all of your heart. And he starts with the heart. You know, when we, when we look at this and, and when we understand that they didn't have maybe an idea of an understanding of brain, uh, what my friend told me really begins to make sense, right? You can follow your heart, but you should bring your brain with you. Well, in reality, that's exactly what they knew it to be. That the heart wasn't just a feeler. It wasn't just something that you would feel and process. In fact, it was everything that you would think about, everything that you would communicate, your desires, your thoughts, your actions, All of that would come through the heart. And so in this context, we see that for Israel, the the word heart is more than just feelings. It's other things. In fact, we read about this in Jeremiah 15, 16. It says, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God of heaven's armies." You see, in this context, it was more than just their feelings, it was their thoughts. And then if we read into the book of Proverbs, which is known to be the book of wisdom, right, that gives us wisdom and understanding, look what Proverbs 14.33 says when it comes to our hearts. It says, wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools, you know, if we were to, to take this and to say in our culture, it'd be basically saying that wisdom is enshrined in your brain, in your head, not in your heart. But you see, for them, it was encompassing the whole. The heart was everything about them. It was their, uh, their ideas, their thoughts, their feelings, their emotions, their decisions, the way they communicated. So what, what Moses is saying, when he's saying the Hebrew word lev, lev the Lord your God, he's saying give God everything. Give God everything. Your mind, your understanding, your thoughts, your desires, give it all to God. And so here we see that that when Moses is saying that, he's not just talking about feelings. He's not just talking about us feeling in love with God or having this emotional, relational feeling with him. It's literally saying, I'm giving God everything that I have. So let's define this a little bit more fully. It's, It's what you think, but it's also how you act and how you communicate. You know, the heart is also where we make choices, And so it's this idea and understanding that the concept of the heart is understood as really the inner person. It's the inner of who we are. It's the seat of our emotions, of our mind, of our will, of our choices. It's all of those things. Uh, You know, my, my wife and I, we've been married for 16 years, almost 17 years, and it's been nothing but rainbows and butterflies. Right? It's just been perfect. If you've been married, you know that that's a lie. Don't struck me with lightning. My wife's here right now. She's giving me a dead eye. But I love my wife a lot, and I know this is, again, I'm a feely guy, and when I think about my wife, like, I'm married up. If there's any married men in here, we married up. Can I get an amen? And women, you say amen too, because we did. God said when you marry, you find a good thing, and thank you, God, for that. Like, but I really married up. Like, I, I'm here, my wife is here, and from the love of God, he gave me exactly what I needed. And, and you know, 
for me as a feeler, there are often times where like I, my, I still get the warm, fuzzy feeling about my wife. Like my heart skips a beat when I see her at times. Like I, I just, I'm so in love with her. You know, I asked my wife, I was preparing for this. She's going to kill me for doing this. But I asked her, I said, honey, uh, you know, I was thinking about this as I was preparing the message. I'm like, I wonder if she feels the same way that I do. So I sent her a text, and here's the text. I'm going to share it with you. I said, do you get the warm fuzzies for me when you think about how much you love me? And that was right there. That's how much my wife loves me. But here's the truth. It's not just a feeling. My heart, giving my heart to my wife isn't just a feeling that I have for her. It's also action-based. Remember last week we talked about it. Love isn't just something that I receive. Love is something that I give and I demonstrate. And it's the same idea here. When I begin to love and I show and I feel love for my wife, the way that I show her that is to honor her in everything that I do. I can say to my wife that I love you or that I have feelings of love for you, but if I don't treat her with honor and dignity, if I don't communicate to her in a way uh, that is God-honoring, then I'm not really showing her my heart at all. You know, it's one thing to love someone, but it's another to show them. Uh, to show them your heart means to honor them with your life. And did you know it's the same when it comes to our relationship with God? You know, we don't just say, God, I love you, and then live however we want to live. We don't just say, God, I love you in this part of my life, but I don't love you in this part of my life. God, you have my heart 100% when I'm here on Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I'm going to do my own thing. That's not really giving God your heart at all. And you see, what, what Moses was saying is like, listen, you've been through a lot. And if you know anything about the Israelites, man, they went through a lot of hard stuff. Slavery. Uh, they, were, they were tortured and they were beaten. And God rescued them out of this. And he showed his heart for them by providing for them. I mean, these people had God's fire by night and he gave them manna and food. And you know what they did every single time? They grumbled. They complained. They didn't give God their heart. After everything that he had done for them, they still complained. And you see, Moses was saying, listen, it's taken 40 years, 40 years to get to this point. We now are starting a new cultural imperative. And it is so important for you to understand that we've got to give God our heart. And you see, that's the first thing that he says to them. Honor God and to love him with all of our heart. You know, I think when we read this, we look at it and we say, well, it's just this organ and it's these feelings and all of these things, but it's more than that. It encompasses our thoughts, our desires, our choices. It, it encompasses how we respond to people. It's everything that we are. And I think that we need to understand that there's this connection between all three. You see, our thoughts, they begin to kind of lead us into choices, and, and it consumes us, and, and choices become actions, and actions sometimes are, you know, can lead us astray. And I think, I think about sin. I mean, I think it's, it's how sin starts, right? Sin is so easily entices us, and it's, it makes itself so uh, amazing, and, and it's this thing that, that we can get into, and it just feels so good. And when I begin to feel this, I begin to think, oh, man, this is good. And then when I say, oh, I'm going to do this, and then I like it, and those things begin to take over, and I'm dragged, and I'm enticed. And before I know it, I'm in an addiction, or I'm in some kind of experience or relationship that I shouldn't be in. And it starts with feelings, 
But what happens is, is everything kind of ties in together. Feelings become thoughts. Thoughts become desires. Desires become choices. Choices lead you to where your heart is. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, God wants all of you. Not just the feeling. He wants everything. You know, when we read about the heart, when you read about the heart, specifically in the Old Testament, when you read about the heart, you need to understand it's the entire inner person. It's, it's everything that's inside of us. When you think about what you think about daily, it's all of those things, and it's who you are in response to that. And when we, be, when we understand that God wants all of it, and when we surrender our hearts to him, when we surrender uh, our, our entirety, our entire inner self to him, we begin then to experience the joy that God gives us. In fact, we read about this in Th- Psalm 37.4. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires, the intentions of the heart, the will that you have, when it is in line with God, when it's in line with him and who he is, you can then experience the joy that he has for us. Now, there's more to the heart than just that. We, the Bible also says that we have to protect our heart. Proverbs, another Proverbs 4.23 Bible says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Um, you know, you think of the heart in the human anatomy, right? And the heart is literally what gives life to everything else. It's the, the, what pumps blood through our system to give us what we need. And if our heart isn't healthy, our body isn't healthy. If our heart is dying, our bodies will soon die. And you see, this is the same idea when it comes to our spirituality, If our heart is unhealthy, then we will die. We will die spiritually. And so what this Proverbs is saying is that you must guard your heart. And and why should I guard my heart? Why should I guard my thoughts and my intentions and my desires and the way I communicate to people? Why should I guard all of those things? Because the Bible says if you don't, your life will be altered. Because out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. The mouth communicates. The way that I live my life, the way that what's in my heart will come out. It will show. And people will know you by your heart. You know, we, we've got a, a very you know, tight-knit family, and, and we're all like zero to 60 people. And, and usually what happens when you get into an argument, you go from zero to 60, you usually end up saying things that you don't really want to say, right? I mean, many of you have done that, or maybe not. You're perfect. I'm not. But, but we had these things, and, I, and I've said things to my kids where it's like, man, out of the wellspring of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if you're speaking that, then there's something inside of you that has that. And so what, what, what I need to say is like, God, first of all, forgive me. Forgive me family or forgive me relationship, but God, would you create in me a clean heart, oh God? Do what you need to do in my heart, because out of the wellspring of the heart, I speak. You know, and I don't know who that speaks to, but I believe God is saying, listen, the way that you give me everything, inner self, is to start with all of your heart. You know, the, our culture would say, do what feels right. If it feels good, go ahead and do it. If it feels right, then it must be right. Well, that's not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says something completely different. That's not what God's word said. That's not what Moses is saying. Moses is saying, guard your heart, because if you don't, this is what will happen. Temptation will come from our own desires, which will entice us and drag us away. And these desires will give birth to sinful actions. 
And it says, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. <laughs> you see, we, we see this progression in, in James 1, but we also see this in Deuteronomy 6 as well. Our heart, how we think, how we feel, how we intend to act, will eventually manifest itself in our lives. And so that's why Moses is saying to them, you got to get your heart right. And when your heart is right, you can then live to honor God in everything that you do. And he's saying, as we enter into the promised land, it is imperative that we do not just follow our heart. It means that we guard and protect our heart and we give it to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And so, what does this mean for us? What does this mean? I mean, okay, Moses is speaking to the, uh, the Israelites and to God's people. What does this mean for us? Well, I think for us, the bad news is this. The bad news is that our hearts are all broken because of sin. It's all marred because of sin, and we're separated from God. But the good news is, is that God will give us a new heart, and all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. You know, I think a lot of people think that, you know, okay, what you're saying is I just need to be better. I just need to think better. I just need to do right. I need to, to do better for God. Well, that's not at all what we're saying because if, if you're saying that, we got to be careful because that's a, a, a form of moralism and saying, oh, if I'm just going to do better, surely God's going to be up. That's not at all what it is. In fact, the Bible says that there is nothing that we could do that would ever line up with God. Nothing. Zero. Any of our good works are like filthy rags in the eyes of a holy God. In fact, what the Bible says is that we are completely separated from God because of sin. Sin defined, if you remember, in week one is when we decide to go our own way. In Genesis chapter 3, God created everything perfect in Genesis 1 and 2. He created heaven and earth, and he created all of the animals, and he saved his greatest creation for mankind. And he said, this is all yours. All of it is yours. The only thing you can't do is you cannot eat from the tree of good and evil. And guess what happened? They followed their heart. <laughs> and they ate from the tree and the knowledge of good and evil, and because of that, sin entered the world and destroyed perfection. And you see, what God could have done in that moment, he could have said, you're wicked, you're defiled, I'm a holy God, you're not, and he could have destroyed everything. But even in Genesis chapter 3, when we went our own way and followed our heart, God made a plan. He prophesied that he was going to make a way for his people to be in relationship with him. And that was in the form of Jesus Christ. And now here's the thing, it didn't just start there because you see, we have this story, we read God's word and we say, okay, I can see from Genesis 3 to Revelation and everything in between, but that's not what they had. And so listen, the next time you hear the question, should you follow your heart, listen to what God's word says in Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I mean, this is, this is prophesied to the Old Testament people. And you know what? It didn't just stop there. In fact, Jesus, he taught this in Mark 7, 21. From, for from within, out of a person's heart or inner self, comes evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceitful, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these vile things come from within. They are what defile you. If you're a sports fan, put the Dallas Cowboys on that list too. I mean, that's a, that's a big list. And when I, when I look at that list, I ask myself, how many of those things have I done? And do I do? Lots. Lots of them. 
And you see, God has every right to say, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. Your heart is defiled. But instead, what he says to you and to me is this. I love you, and I've made a way for you to have a clean, new heart. Let's finish by getting back to Deuteronomy. Uh, We're fast-forwarding from chapter 6 to verse 30, but I think this is important for us to hear. In verse 6, chapter 30, verse 6 says, The Lord your God will change your heart and the heart of all your descendants so that you will love him with all of your heart and soul, and so you may live. You see, God doesn't want us dead in our sin. He doesn't want us separated from him. He doesn't want us in bad relationships. He doesn't want us in addiction. He doesn't want us in any of these things, wavering and, and, and being confused and hurt and upset. Instead, God says, listen, I will make a way for you to have a clean heart. I will make a way for you to be in relationship with me. And, and for us, God's way, that is Jesus. You know, listen to what he prophesied to, to his people in Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. So even out of uh, the exodus, he's now moving into uh, other parts of their life, and he's saying, I will give you a new heart. And this is connecting to Deuteronomy 30, and it even connects again into Jeremiah. Do you see the theme here? We continue to go our own way in sin, and God is promising something new, a new heart. He says, but this is the new covenant that I will make with my people, the people of Israel, after those days. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, here's what's so interesting about this, and we're going to end with this. God gave his people commandments. God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he wrote on tablets the way to living. And as Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai, what did he see? He saw God's people in sin. And the Bible says it enraged him, and he broke those tablets. And you see, what we see here is that that God is saying, I'm no longer going to give you writings and tablets. What I'm going to do is I'm going to write my decrees on your heart. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to be a God who is in relationship with my people. And the new covenant that you and I have comes in the form of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says that because of sin, we're eternally separated from God. And the only way that we can be made right in God's eyes is to believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a life that we couldn't live, a sin-free life, and to die in our place because the the payment and the penalty for sin is death. It's Romans 6.23. And because of that, we're eternally separated from God. But God made a way. In fact, this is something that we, we always talk about and we read it about. It's in Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says that this, the only way we can be made right in God's eyes, it says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God uh, raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because listen, for it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, and it's by openly declaring with your faith that you will be saved. You see, we can have a new heart. We can have a new inside. We can have a new beginning. The Bible says that when we do that, we are a new one that is brand new. And that heart is sealed and protected for eternity. You see, that's a God that loves us, that isn't judging us. You know, wherever you're at today in your relationship journey with God, I encourage you to take the next step. Maybe for you, that's that, that you say, God, I've been going on in life and I have no idea how to do this. I want to surrender my heart and my life to you. The Bible says that when you do that, you'll be made new.
and he can give you direction. He can change your thoughts, your desires, your actions, and everything in between. Then, maybe, maybe you've been someone that's living in sin, that your, your heart, that, that God has, has protected. Maybe now you need to say, God, I, I'm, I'm involved in some things, Lord, that aren't honoring you. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a bad relationship. Maybe it's something that you did in your past that the enemy is using against you. Now is the opportunity for you to say, God, I lay it at your feet. And God, in his love, will say, yes, I will, I, will, I will mend and I will heal that broken heart. Wherever you're at in that journey, I'd love to share with you how to take the next step. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and active. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you do everything. You, you stopped at nothing to pursue us. And you, you gave the most precious thing, your son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we couldn't live so that we could be in relationship with you, God. A holy God. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that as we read these words that we would dig deeper into the meaning of your word, God, and to see that it's not just a feeling, a feeling of me in relationship with you or other people, but instead, God, it's that it would be more than a feeling. It would be my thoughts, my desires, my actions, the way I communicate, the way I lead, the way I live, the way I speak. Everything that I do, God, would honor you. We love you, Jesus. Please do not let anyone leave this room without experiencing you today in a new and fresh way in their heart. In your name we pray, amen.